0: Welcome back to the summer edition of Sports ASA. Paul Bonzer, Jason Gillespie with you. Tim Payne was with us. He's taken Darcy Short out to lunch. Dinner, I should say.
1: Yeah, I, there's no way Darcy's paying. I there's no I, way. No, not a chance. <laughs> not a
0: chance. <laughs> uh, you can be part of the show as well. The open line is one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Text in on 0427-154-166. Thanks to Nutrien Ag Solutions. Going further for Australian farmers, find your local branch at au. Now, Diz, we're going to cross to one of the SEN cricket commentators now. Adam White is brought to us by your local tyre power, Hot Summer sun is on. Get four tyres for the price of three on Kumo tyres and they're helping you drive safe this summer. Adam White, welcome to the summer edition of Sports ASA. G'day, Paul. It's good to be part of the show. Although it's a bit weird,
2: usually I'm interviewing Jason Gillespie. Now he's going to interview me. It's a bit
0: odd. Yeah, he's got the tough. I'm usually
2: putting him under the pump.
0: Yeah, he's got the tough questions for you, Whitey, Uh, mate. (laughs) uh, Off the bat, Pat Cummings won the won the toss uh, today, and for the first time since 1980 on the Adelaide Oval, he chose to have a bowl. But it looks like that was the right decision.
2: Yeah, I guess it's hard to tell because the West Indies are the West Indies. I must confess I was a little bit surprised um, because the wicket didn't look the same sort of wicket we've seen from some of the Shield games, particularly that last one against Victoria. It was a lot harder and um, I think it probably would have been okay to bat. And the West Indies said they would have batted. But I think it was more the overhead conditions and there had been that rain overnight that maybe gave uh, Pat Cummins the inclination it was the right thing to do. I don't know whether it was the right thing to do when they were three for 90-odd, but Josh Hazelwood certainly sort of went through their middle order. And, and if it wasn't for that last-wicket partnership of, I think, 55, uh, would have been a pretty ugly-looking affair from a West Indian point of view. But they put some respectability into the scorecard and 188 was what
1: they got. Yeah, Adam, you mentioned that... that- Collapse in the middle there, but Kirk McKenzie looked uh, looked quite good, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He hits the ball
2: very hard, and he's he, he's not. Um, I wouldn't say he's a really tall man, but he's a tall man with a big stride. So he did like to try and you know get forward as much as possible and try and hit the ball down the ground. His favourite player is Chris Gale, and at times he tried to play like Chris Gale. But what I liked about him was he had positive intent. If he thought there was a a chance to score, he he did try and score. And as I said, he hit the ball extremely hard. So he's the only one, at least at this point in the match, that's been able to, to reach 50. But, but uh, Jason, as you would know, I mean, one of the great things about the Australian attack is how relentless they are. So they don't sort of lapse for any length of time. So you've got to keep going as a batsman. You can't relax at any point because that's when they'll get you. And uh, And that was ultimately what happened with him and a couple of the other West Indians that got starts and looked okay, played some nice shots but they just couldn't sustain it for any length of time.
1: And and while they did have the, the the Australian bowlers very relentless with their lines and disciplined with their lengths, a couple of the West Indies dismissals, uh, notably De Silva and Moti, what, what did you see? Yeah,
2: there, there were some pretty ordinary outs. Moti was, it was definitely one of those. But, but even a couple of other ones, you know, trying to play hook shots with two men out in the dirt getting caught. Um, you know, there was that one of the Silva just hitting the ball straight to cover. So they were the soft doubts that so I think I was, as a, as a cricket fan, worried about from the West Indians, um, that they wouldn't show the discipline required. And, uh, and ultimately, that's what happened. And, you know, I think from a West Indian point of view, they need either Chanderpaul or Brathwaite to bat a long time and to try and bat around those guys because we knew coming in that they, they all like to play their shots through that middle order, But unfortunately, uh, they tried to play too many shots and, and that ultimately proved to be their downfall.
0: Why? he's only just starting his test career, but is Cam Green the best gully fielder Australia has ever had?
2: Well, I mean, I can't think of, of too many better. I mean, I know that Dizzy played a lot of cricket with Matthew Hayden. I always thought of him as being incredible in that position in the gully. Um, the way that he would make really difficult catches look easy. But the difference with Cameron Green is being so tall, he covers so much ground. And that first catch he took today... Uh, really early on to get rid of Paul. The feature of that was his anticipation. He was moving to his left almost before Paul had actually made contact with the ball to be able to to almost make up that ground required. And then the second catch, again, making a difficult catch look easy. It went really quickly. He had to get down low for a big man. And even though his knees hit the ground, it didn't sort of jolt out of his hands the ball when it went in there. So, I mean, that just shows. And I'm sure, I'm, I don't know, oh, it was probably a question for you, di um, you throwing mm. back the other way I'm not sure you necessarily select a player because he is a fielder uh, you know because he's such a good fielder but when you're losing David Warner from the court and I, I think it is a bit of a factor with someone like Cameron Green that he becomes a, a genuine three-dimensional player we know he can bat and ball but just that 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 fielding element
1: I, I think certainly when Selecting teams, you know, I've, I've certainly have done my fair share of it over the years. Um, you know, if, if there's a 50-50 split between a player, you, you almost always go with the person who's going to, who can take catches. That, that, that's absolute for sure. But just your, your theory, what you said before, um, John T. Rhodes, I reckon, is probably the only player that's come close to probably being selected in Test cricket, predominantly yeah. as, as a fielder.
2: Yeah, and I think what we see in cricket, we often hear about. Wicket keepers can create dismissals because of their um, ability to, to maybe get a stumping that someone someone else can't. Who's a good keeper, but isn't as good up to the stumps, or you know can take the spectacular catch down leg side. They can create dismissals. I think that's what Cameron Green can do. He can he can create chances that others just wouldn't be able to take. And I think that's that's probably the standout for me with what he can do because he's he's so big and and anticipates so well in that position in the gully.
1: Yes. Speaking of our time in the field, and we'll get to the batting, I suppose, but who who impressed you most out of the Aussie bowlers, Adam?
2: Well, I think for me, Josh Hazelwood, because,
1: you know, early on it was Pat Cummins
2: that sparked the Australians when I thought they started a little bit flat, um, to be honest. They were okay, and, and certainly the West Indians didn't get away, but the Australians needed a spark, and Pat Cummins did that. But I just thought the way that Josh Hazel would bowl yeah. through the middle kind of broke the game a little bit, got on a bit of a roll, took four wickets really quickly, and I think he was the standout. Um, Mitchell Stark was was a bit wayward today. He just couldn't get his radar right. And, and even Nathan Lyon, I mean, I know he's taking his 500th wicket through this series, but he hasn't been able to sort of you know, go on a bit of a roll. And, and again, a bit the same here. He still bowled 11 or 12 overs, but he only took the last wicket. So for me, I think Josh Hazelwood was the, was the standout just ahead of Pat Cummins.
0: Speaking to Adam White, part of the SEN cricket commentary team. Uh, Whitey, I just want to ask you about Steve Smith opening the batting for the first time. And also, I don't want to get rid of him just yet, but who do you think <laughs> is next in line to take an opening spot in that Aussie team?
2: Oh, gee, that's a good question. We've been talking about this for a long time before um, Steve Smith got the got the role because we didn't think initially it was going to be him. Um, look, I think for me, the concern I have with Steve Smith is I just think he's not in the same sort of form he's been in for a long time. And for me, I think going up the order is is not necessarily a cry for help, but it's, I think it's him trying to get a new challenge to get himself going. But once again today, we saw him playing at a ball outside the off-stump he wouldn't normally play at um, to be dismissed. Um, it was a good ball, but it was the first ball of uh, of a young man's career. I'm not saying it was a loosener, but it was one that he didn't have to play at. And again, he's out caught in the cordon. Um, he's been caught behind a few times this, series, which, or this summer, which is just not Steve Smith. So I'm not sure it's the right move putting him up there. I can understand why it's happened but I'm not convinced that it will work. I think what I do like, though, is Cameron Green at number four. Um, And as Dizzy would know, having seen Cameron play a lot of Sheffield Shield cricket, he averages over 50 in that position at number four. I think he needs balls um, early in his innings to sort of settle in, whereas at number six, at times, he doesn't quite have the right tempo for a number six and can get himself a little muddled at times and can often slow the momentum of the team. But I think at four, that's the right fit for him. For who the next opening batsman is, uh, I'm now not entirely sure because it might be relatively soon. We need to find that player. And what I love um, in in recent years is that if you make runs in Sheffield Shield cricket, you will be rewarded. And I think that's what's happened with Cameron Green. I think that's been overlooked. It's, it's always been about what Kang Bancroft has done and why why isn't he selected? I think Bancroft needs to bat quicker. I, mean, I think he needs to improve his strike rate. But there's what there's four games coming up and then another four or five before we play India. There's ample time to Bancroft or Harris or Renshaw. I think those three obvious names are still the ones that are ahead of everybody else, and they've got time. And I guess the, the left-field selection is still Will Pukowski um he still needs to play a lot more shield cricket before he can even be considered to play again for australia but the fact he's strung some games together for victoria i think is more important than the runs he hasn't scored because it's just him you know getting time in the middle and playing consecutive games or you know a string of games to to know that he he wants to play cricket for australia again
1: yeah i i like your point adam about strike rate i think yeah the best Australian batters, uh, opening batters in the past 30 years have put pressure back on opposition bowlers early on with the new ball, with the field up. And I, I'd like to see someone of that ilk, whoever it is, um, but I take your point. You know, I think someone with a, a higher strike rate would complement Usman Khawaja perfectly. Yeah,
2: and I think that was the concern, Dizzy, with Bancroft coming in. Definitely. So, look, I don't think anyone's necessarily going to be able to strike at what... Uh, David Warner did. David Warner struck at about 75 in Test cricket, whereas someone like Cameron Bancroft, you know, he's striking Shield cricket around the, the 30 mark. But when you look at Renshaw and even looking at Marcus Harris, they're not considerably higher than that. So I just wonder whether that message has to come down from Australian selectors down to Shield level to say, look, you know, we're still on the hunt to the next opener but we are looking for someone that can at least strike at 60, 65. So whoever it is that is opening the batting at Shield Cricket, um, here's your chance to either you know, look for someone else um, or the ones that are there to, to, to look at trying to bat a bit quicker. I reckon Caleb Jewell's tried that a little bit for Tassie. Um, And he looked like he was going to furnish into a really good player this year. He got a lot of runs for Australia A against New Zealand Day at the very start of this summer. But he's sort of tailed off a little bit. Tim Ward, I know he's trying to bat with a bit more purpose. They're, They're sort of two names that come to mind. But I'm not sure that there's the obvious selection that's just sitting there waiting to be selected, which has often been the case in the past.
1: Yeah, we saw after the West Indies... Adam get get their score and they they went out in the field and the we heard the commentators talking about you know an early opportunity early wickets and you know they created that opportunity and Kuwaja dropped
2: yeah well i mean that's the thing Dizzy. they they created three chances the west indians they dropped Kawaja who was caught on the crease trying to drive. And again, away. He went out a few times against Pakistan. But unfortunately, De Silva dropped the catch going away to his left. One that he should have taken. That, that should be taken. Oh, he, he definitely should
1: back. have taken that. Because I, I was explaining to yeah. Bonds before the show, at the point of contact that Kawaja made, he was almost standing bolt upright. And then he had to go back down to his left. And he, he's, he's, a, he's a big, solid lad. And that would have been really difficult for him.
2: Yes, that's right. And Ian Smith was in our commentary box when that drop uh, the catch got put down. And his view was that he he really, uh, under normal circumstances, could have even been able to get two hands to right. that. So, um, And I, I really liked Elzara Joseph. I like him as a player anyway. But what he did today was that he was bowling consistently mid-140s. He bowled with real pace and bowling faster than any of the Australians did. And so while he didn't get the wickets, they, they went to the debutante Shamar Joseph at the other end. I really liked the way Elzari bowled, and um, you know Shamar Joseph gets a wicket with his first bowling Test cricket of Steve Smith that we talked about before. But then even the way that he got Lavashane out, that he hurried Lavashane a few times, and then the short ball that Lavashane just tried to help on his way, that was a, a, a brain fade from Lavashane with that man just positioned perfectly on the fence to take that catch. It went straight down his throat. He was lucky to stay in the field of play, but it was a, a poor choice from Marnus. And we've now got this situation where if you take out David Warner's 164 in the first test on the first day of the test summer, there is yet to be another Australian player to score 100. Mitch Marsh has got close, but no other Australian player has got to 100, and that's very rare, usually through a summer, against better opposition than the Australians have faced in Pakistan and the West Indies. I know this West Indies series has only just started. Um, we've only had the 100, and that's a bloke that's now retired.
0: All right, Whitey, before I let you go, I've got a bit of a bone to pick with you, my friend. Um, oh, dear. You were on X today saying that uh, Balfour's... Should not oh, yes. put coconut on top of their vanilla slice. What are you talking about, Whitey? What is—is is this a new phenomenon, or is this? something It's that always all had the time? coconut on it for a million years. Oh, they're very no. good friends of the they're station no, here, no. Balfus. They're very good friends of ours. Well, that's okay because
2: <laughs> the actual custard in the vanilla slice was outstanding. Of course. But the coconut, I mean, I'm not a coconut fan at the best of times, but to have the coconut spoiling the vanilla slice on the icing, just leave the icing. You don't need coconut. That's just, that is just making a very simple delicacy Far too
1: complicated. Adam, don't be shocked if you get stopped in the street while you're here. <laughs> really? South Australians wow. are very passionate about our local
0: products. Uh, <laughs>
2: oh, well, just I said, the custard was great, not the coconut, place. please. Pie floaty. Coconut.
0: Have you had a pie floater yet, Whitey?
2: No, but I am going to give that a try. Beautiful. It's I <laughs> been a few years since I've been to South Australia. Oh, don't worry, I'll be... Uh, trying all the things on offer. There's no doubt about that while well,
0: i <laughs> Adam, thanks a lot. Um, we'll have fun listening to you across the Test match. Thanks, mate. No,
2: nah, thanks, guys. Lovely talking to you.
0: you. Adam White, part of SEN Cricket, and uh, the coverage starts again tomorrow at uh, 9 a.m. And he was brought to us by Aussie Made. Look for the logo and be sure it's Aussie Adam White.